Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. I want you to sit back and I want you to watch this video because it's, 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 it's caught the basis of biblical missions. And I think it would be, be encouraging uh, to you. It's about six minutes long and then we're finished. We'll come back. We'll have prayer and then we'll do Bible study, okay? Uh, Brother Doug, if you would. The Bible is an incredible text made up of 66 different books written by more than 40 authors over a span of a thousand years. It is not just a compilation of a bunch of different stories or a self-help manual or even a devotional book. It is one cohesive story from Genesis to Revelation, the story of God's glory. Let's take a look at his story. In the beginning, God created everything for himself and his glory. At the pinnacle of that creation, he made man so that God could share himself with others. We were told to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the glory of God. But man decided that God couldn't be trusted, that he was holding something back from us. We decided to live for ourselves instead of for God, and this filled the earth with sin and selfishness. The generations of man had soon gone so far off track, in fact, that God flooded the entire earth and started over with a man named Noah. When Noah stepped off the ark, God told him the same words he had told Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Once again, however, humanity looks to give itself honor instead of God. Because they all shared the same language, it was easy to communicate and cooperate, so they made a plan. At a place called Babel, they would build a tower up to the heavens and in doing so make a name for themselves. They labored to build their own kingdom rather than obey God's command. They had made the same mistake as each of the generations before them. Since mankind had ignored his message to spread his name and his glory throughout the earth, God took matters into his own hands. He scrambled the languages of the people so they could no longer communicate easily with each other. In that moment, God had formed the many different tribes and peoples of the world, so the different people groups spread to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Out of those nations, God chose a man named Abraham and made a covenant with him. God told Abraham that he would bless him and all his descendants, turning them into a great nation that would bless all the other nations. God eventually called this nation Israel, and he began to demonstrate his glory through them in many ways. He gave them a set of laws to live by so that they could live separate and holy lives from all the other nations. In doing so, they would become his royal priests, mediating between God and man. By living out his commands in the sight of the nations, Israel would encourage people to love God and love others. God also gave Israel a special geographical place on the earth, strategically located in the middle of all other nations. It was in this promised land that Israel would be a light to all nations, showing them the path to God even in the darkness of the world. Sometimes Israel would live out this calling well, understanding God's desire to bless all of the peoples of the earth through them. Other times, though, Israel would fall into the same trap that humanity had again and again, 
glorifying itself rather than glorifying God. When Israel got off track, God intervened. Sometimes he raised up prophets to remind them of their mandate to bless the nations with the blessings he had given them. Other times he would discipline his people by allowing them to be taken captive by other nations. Regardless, God used Israel, even in their disobedience, to make his name great throughout the earth. But all of this was just the beginning of what God had in store. In all of its ups and downs, Israel grew hungry for a promised Messiah King who would establish an everlasting kingdom that would never be defeated. That, of course, leads us to Jesus. God sent his son Jesus to earth for 33 years to dramatically demonstrate the Father's love for both Jew and Gentile alike. Yes, he was from King David's bloodline, but his genealogy had both Jews and Gentiles in it. His first worshipers were the wise men, Gentiles from the East. Angels proclaimed that his salvation would be for all peoples. Even his baby dedication identified him as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Time and time again, Christ reminded his disciples, who considered themselves God's favorite, that God's plan from the beginning was to bless all peoples. His life modeled this message perfectly. He became angry when the temple wasn't being used as a house of prayer for all nations. He told parables about the kingdom of God being a kingdom for all people groups. And he preached good news to Jews, Gentiles, rich, poor, educated, and uneducated alike. Jesus served Canaanites, Samaritans, Romans, and Greeks. He was and is a true Messiah for all nations. He lived a perfect life, died a perfect death, and rose again with a perfect resurrection. Then he commanded us to go make disciples of all nations, the perfect words to sum up his ministry. He told us that this gospel of the kingdom must be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all of the ethnic groups, and then the end would come. We saw the beginnings of this when the Holy Spirit filled the disciples at Pentecost and told the wonders of God in all the different languages of the world. We saw it continued when Christ called Paul and other apostles to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. It continues even now. We are waiting for the end that we see in Revelation, when the Lamb of God, Jesus, has purchased with his blood people from every nation. Those people will form a multitude that no one can count from every tribe, tongue, and people group, worshiping and saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the story of the Bible, a single cohesive story from cover to cover, God's story, the story of his glory among all the nations. But it can't come to fruition until all nations have heard. He invites you into that story. He invites you into that mission. What part will you play? Isn't that a great synopsis? Amen? We'll get some lights back on the scene here. That, that's what missions is all about, folks, is you and I doing our part. And sometimes our part is, you know, to be verbal, right, and, and to take physical action, and then, then there's times when our part is to, you know, be in prayer and maybe take some financial action and help others reach areas that we can't reach. You know, I was reminded early on about missions being this, it's reaching the whole world at the same time. Isn't that what Acts chapter number one speaks about? When he uses the word both, both, it means simultaneously, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
the uttermost. So it's not enough for us to say, you know, well, you know, praise the Lord, man, we had national light out last night. We were, we were in our community strong, right? We were reaching Jerusalem. That's great. But as we're reaching Jerusalem, we need to be reaching Santo Domingo. And you name it, you know, the Ukraine and many other places at the same time. So how can we do that? Well, we do that through supporting missionaries, missions work, you know, and thank the Lord for the men and women that God is calling, still calling, to take the gospel everywhere in the world. And so what we'll do here in the month of September is emphasize missions both home and away and try to do our best to raise up extra dollars, not taking from our tithe. You know, I'll teach this methodically in the month of September. You're not taking from our tithe because the tithe belongs to God, right? We need to take an offering. You know, when, 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 when Malachi speaks about bringing all the tithes to the storehouse, you know, he said this first. He said, we're in, you know, will a man rob God? And they said, well, where have we robbed thee? You know what he said? He didn't just say in tithes. He said in tithes and offerings, right? So God not only, you know, expects the tithe, but he expects our heart to be broken and in tune with him so that we give the offering as well, you know? And there's a lot of offerings in the Bible other than the tithe. And one of them in the New Testament is that offering for others, you know? And there's some benevolent giving, and then there's some, you know, missions giving. So we'll talk about that in detail in the month of, in the month of uh, September. However, I promise you this. If you were to speak to any missionary, I'll guarantee you, he would tell you, equal to financial support, and they need financial support, equal to that is prayer support. They need to have, you know, just God working on them and through them and around them and every once in a while in spite of them, right? God works sometimes in spite of us. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I'm so glad he does. And, and so what, what I want us to do is I want us to become prayer warriors, not just for our missionaries, for our church, but certainly for our missionaries. And let them know that we're praying for them, okay? So here's what I'm going to do for us tonight. Uh, Aaron, if you would, Dave, if you would, make sure everybody gets a copy of that. Just leave me one up here. And this will introduce us to uh, our missionaries. Uh, uh, Doug, go ahead and start that, if you would. I'm going to throw their picture up on the slide here. This is our theme for our missions a month, Lift Him Up. We adopted that theme my very first Sunday of being your pastor. Preached that message about lift, lift him up. I said, let's adopt that theme for the remainder of this year, right? And so when we enter into our missions uh, month, it's going to be Lift Him Up. And and what we need to do tonight is this. I want to talk to us tonight about how we can pray for our missionaries. So how can we pray for these missionaries? Let me introduce them to you uh, first. These are now, we support several missionaries here at Open Bible. But these are ones that we're going to try to pick up for support this upcoming year. Our keynote speaker, um, I put him last, I think. So uh, look, look, at, look at this one family. This is the Coker family. And the Coker family, just hold on to those, put off to the side, Dave. Coker family uh, is going to China. And I'm sure they have specific needs. All these families are still on deputation. You know what that means? Say what? Raising funds. Trying to raise money. You know? 
And, and I'll tell you what, it's never been easy, but it seems to be getting a little bit harder for these missionaries to raise the money they need to get to where God's called them, right? And so we'll pray for the, the Coker family. We'll introduce them to you uh, this upcoming September. And then the Southern family, they're going to South Africa. And they're in the same position as the Coker family. They're trying to raise money, you know. And by the way, we never invite missionaries to come to our conferences without fully intending to support them. So they, they're coming. We're going we're gonna to pick them up for support. Um, but our support's not going to be enough. You know, churches of like faith, they need to support them as well, right? So we need to pray for that to take place. Derek, you know a little bit about that, right? And then we, we have the Wilkerson family. Now, I want you to pray for the Wilkerson's um, immediately because uh, our sister is with child and they determined just the other day that the child has severe problems. From what I understand, I'm not going to say much about it, uh, much, much about the situation, but the baby may not go to full term. And so uh, they're not sure where this is going to be and they're not sure if they're going to be with us, you know, as a result of this just a few weeks away. So pray for the Wilkerson family, whether they come to BBC, uh, uh, Open Bible or not, we're going to support them. You know, they're worthy. It's a great young family, and they need our help. And so uh, we'll let you know as, as the month goes on, okay? And then, and then our keynote speaker is Howard Casey. And Brother Casey is pastor for 42 years. And now he works with Worldview Missions, which is unique. It's not, it's not your grandfather's Oldsmobile Missions Agency. You know what I mean by that? It's just not the same old, same old. You know, uh, Gerald Fielder, you met Gerald Fielder. He's been here before. Remember Brother Fielder? Just a great guy, great teacher, unique. He's got, did you ever meet Gerald Fielder, Dom? He's unique. You want to have him over at Bethel. He's unique. He's got, a, he's got a unique perspective on missions. Howard Casey is now working with Brother Fielder. And so when he comes, it's not going to be them same old missions messages unique, fresh, anointed. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. And, uh, and it'll, it'll stir your heart. It's going to stir our hearts so that we can just keep doing and doing more of what God, you know, wants us to do. And so I gave you that card. I'm going to ask you if you would tuck this away. If you have a prayer book, put it in your Bible, wherever, whatever you use to pray, keep this with you. And if you would promise, maybe make a commitment tonight that I'll pray for these folks at least two, three times a week. Some might say, preacher, I'll pray for them every day. So when they get here, right, in September, September 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, it'll be Thursday night, Friday night, and then Sunday, all day Sunday. When they get here, they're not going to know what hit them because when they walk on campus, they are going to be so filled with the Spirit of God and so ready. We're going to be ready for them. It's going to be a unique it's going to be a unique meeting. Amen? Sound like a winner? Would you commit to doing that? Would you pray for these folks? Awesome. Praise the Lord. If you need more of these cards, we'll have them available throughout the, uh, throughout the month. Open your Bible, if you would, to uh, Philippians chapter number 1. And I want, you to, I want you to see a Bible verse, and then we're going to have prayer. Philippians 1. Now, you know this, you know that Philippians, the book of Philippians, church in Philippi, was a church that was started on a missionary journey by the Apostle Paul. And for some reason, this church had a, a it, just got, it just got a hold of Paul's heart. You know, Paul had a great fondness 
uh, for this church. Uh, he says this, nobody communicated with me, Paul speaking, like you communicated with me. They, they just, they just, they loved them, you know, and they adopted them as, as, as their own. And so he develops this real close uh, relationship with the church in Philippi. And you know, did you ever read the book Philippi? Did you ever see, uh, every, every once in a while you see just one of those Hall of Fame Bible verses? You know, book of Proverbs, tons of Hall of Fame Bible verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Hall of Fame Bible verse, right? You know, the book of Philippians has an unbelievable, for just four chapters, it has an, an unbelievable, it's kind of like a small town sending, you know, uh, many, 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 you know, athletes to the Hall of Fame. Well, just this small book, four chapters, has a number of Hall of Fame Bible verses. Philippians 4.13, 4.19, Philippians 4, 6, 7, and 8, Philippians 2, 5 through 9. These are Hall of Fame Bible verses, you know? Why is that? Well, because when Paul writes this church, he's so passionate about them that he just shares his heart. And that's what you pick up in the book of Philippians. Look at verse number 19, just one verse. He said this. He said, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through what? Your prayer. Your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know what he's mentioning there? He's saying this. I know for a fact that I am going to benefit from your prayers for me. How many of you know somebody that knows how to pray? Uh, yeah, you know, there's some people who say, hey, pray for me. Somebody says, I'll pray for you, you know. But then there's those people that when they say, I'll pray for you, you felt like you've been prayed for. Amen. Huh? Amen? Uh, Brother Riddell, did you ever get a chance to meet Mel Rudder? You remember Uncle Mel. Mel Rudder was a veteran missionary statesman diplomat. I met him when he was already 150. Uh, he was already an old man when I met him, but when I met him, I absolutely, absolutely fell in love with him. He was probably 75 or so when I first met him. And he would come to the, to the region, and whenever he did, Mrs. Genizzi and I said to Uncle Mel, we used to call him Uncle Mel, Uncle Mel, we'd say to him, Uncle Mel, use our house, use our church as your, your home base. So no matter where you preach in this area, come back and stay with us. And our kids were just young at the time. And we used to love to have Uncle Mel come and stay in our home. And then wherever he had to go preach, I had a staff member who would drive him different places in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, wherever. And, uh, and man, my kids loved, he used to take, Uncle Mel was a nutcase, he used to take a handful of supplements. I mean just a handful, maybe 20, 30, 40 pills. And he'd say to my kids, now watch, he'd take them all at one time. He just pull, and he take a little bit, and they all go down, you know. And just, just a great guy. He was a gentleman. He was a great preacher. But more than that, he was somebody that I promise you, when you get to heaven, after you see the Pauls and the Peters and the Uncle Mel, Mel Rudder is going to be in line somewhere because he shook this world for the, with the gospel of Christ. He really did. I say all that to say this. I'll never forget the first time I met him. I was a pastor of all of two years. I was about 28 or 9 years old. Uncle Mel was coming to preach for me. I was a nervous wreck because I knew of him. I mean, his, he's one of those guys where his reputation preceded him, right? And so Sunday morning, they dropped him off at my church. 
And uh, man, he comes in, comes into my office, and we're chatting for a little bit. And he says, uh, well, let's pray. And he had a real raspy voice. You know, he says, son, let's pray. And so he got down on a chair in my office. I got down. And I promise you this, when Uncle Mel prayed, it was almost as if I sensed the Lord say, shh. I never prayed with anybody like Mel Rudder. I mean that with all my heart. And he prayed and prayed and prayed, and I was, I was just enamored. I, I, I can imagine after reading when the disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11, 1, teach us to pray. Are you with me tonight? I can almost sense how they must have felt after Mel Rudder prayed, because I wanted to say to him, would you teach me to pray like that? And after he finished praying, it was my turn to pray. I, there was nothing left to pray for. And I just said, amen. I promise. So I said, amen. And I got back up, got behind my desk, and I realized that I was lacking something. I was lacking a genuineness in prayer. Because even in my own prayer closet, I was pretentious. Even in my own prayer life, I was weak. I'm pastoring a church, John. I'm busy. I got, man. And here's this dear old saint who has shaken his part of the world with the gospel of Christ, praying to the Father like he walked with him so close every day. Are you with me? And I remember saying, Lord, teach me to pray like that. I wish I can say to you I learned the lesson. I still struggle. I really do. Dom, you struggle sometimes with prayer? Man, I tell you, I struggle sometimes, you know? I pray, but every once in a while I'm reminded of the prayer of Mel Rudder, and I feel like, man, I'm not praying at all. So how can we pray for these missionaries, and what is the benefit? Paul said this, I know there's a benefit. I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers. He's saying, I sense you're praying for me. How can we pray for our missionaries? Listen carefully. The first step is to make up your mind you're going to pray for them. <laughs> you're going to pray for them. Amen. Amen? Because they certainly need our prayers. So let's pray together. Let's ask God to just touch our hearts and just turn us toward, you know, becoming more of a force in prayer. And by the way, it has nothing to do with time. You mean to tell me i got to spend a couple hours in prayer? I'm not telling you anything. What I'm trying to say is it's got to become real, where it's not motions, and it's not pretentious, and it's not so you can just say, I prayed, but it's to get on your face before God and accomplish something spiritually. That's what it's about. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're praying tonight that you'll help us with our prayer life. We're praying tonight that you'd help us to figure it out that more can be accomplished through prayer than any other thing. We're praying tonight that you would help us to have an absolute burden in our heart for the lost souls of humankind, whether they're here, people that we see, or people that are around the globe who we may never see. Help us, God. Help us to be genuine in our own personal prayer time. And Lord, I would pray you'll burden our hearts to pray for these missionaries. 
these young families who have answered, you, answered your call, on this side of it, we say, boy, they're giving up so much, but they know they're not giving up anything. They're just investing their lives in something bigger than they are. And I would pray that you'll give them health. I pray you'll give them the financial support. And I pray you'll give them clear passage to where you've called them to go. And then when they get there, that you'll bless them in an abundant way, whatever that means. Some of these families may not see a soul saved for years, and yet you'll bless them abundantly. Others might have such a fruitful harvest that they'll not know what to do with it at first. You'll bless them abundantly. We're just asking you, God, please, to do something in these young people's lives that you can use to advance your kingdom and help us right here in New Jersey, Williamstown, New Jersey, to be, be a part of something larger than us, bigger than New Jersey. And I pray that you'll help us to stay focused and as you tarry and as we continue on, that we'll see some, just some great, great things taking place as we try ourselves right here to advance the kingdom of God. We pray in Jesus' name and amen. So how can we pray for these missionaries? Now, there's some general things we can pray right? But I want to break it down, give you just a quick, uh, just a quick outline tonight. Personal requests, ministry requests, and provisional requests, okay? First, there, oh, where'd that come from? Give me back, guys. I don't want to sing that. You guys with me? We good? There we go. <laughs> Flip it. There you go, personal request. So, what do we pray, personal request? Think about this. Think about their walk with God. Think about that with me, if you would. You know, it's important for God's servants to walk with them. And at times, at times, now pay attention to this, at times the work is demanding. You know, we're talking about missionaries now, right? And their work is demanding, and it places a strain. You know, the work of the ministry, although sometimes, you know, we, we're privileged. We, I'm able to wake up in the morning. I'm able to do my devotions. I'm able to head over to the church instead of the warehouse or the factory. You know, I'm able to come here and work with saved people for the most part. <laughs> you know, um, it's still demanding. And, and the work puts stress and a strain on my walk with God. It does. And, and I think this, I think, I think it's, it's true of our missionaries, and our missionaries need to be refreshed in the Lord. Amen. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever been on a missions uh, trip before, but missions work can not only be demanding, but isolating. Isolating. Because some of these, some of these folks are in places that, I mean, the place itself is remote. You know, and it's isolated. And here they are, as Americans, foreign soil, right? Christians, many times going to a 97% population of Muslims, right? They're isolated. And so we need to make sure we, we pray that their walk with God is refreshed. Amen? It's really important. You know, they're away from the familiar. They're away from their family. They're away from their friends. They're away from everything that they've known, basically. And I've been to some of these places. I've been to some of these remote lands. I, I, I've, I've seen where some of these missionaries live. And, 
I wouldn't want to trade places with them, you know? And I know it's a strain. And so I think one of the things we need to do is pray, pray that our missionaries stay hungry for God. Amen? I think this, under personal request, we need to pray for their family relationships. Sad to say, uh, m- m- many, many, many families struggle on the field. They struggle. Uh, there's no immunity card given to God's servants. Just because they answered the call, you know, to go wherever, whether it's around the corner or around the world, you know, many of them struggle. And I'm not sure how aware of this, much aware of this you are, but, but, but marriages struggle. There's missionaries who come back on furlough, and, and they need to get some counsel from their pastor because the marriage is struggling, and they're, they're fraying. Uh, families, children struggle. And there's many times missionaries have to come off the field because where they are, their children are just going in the wrong direction. And they realize if they stay there any longer, they may lose their child. It happens. I can tell you firsthand how many missionaries I've counseled, prayed with, visited on the mission field who are just struggling, having a hard time. And I've had to say to several of them, maybe you ought to come home for a while. And I have pastor friends who tell some of the families that are gone from their church, you need to come back for a while before you lose everything you have. So I think if we're going to pray for them, we need to pray for their family relationships. And and sometimes they need to take a step back uh, due to some family trouble. And then I think this, thirdly, I think we need to pray that they have some time. This is out again, guys. I don't know why it's doing that. Uh, They have some time to rest and recover. Think about that. Rest and recover. You know, missionaries need more than a day off. They do. You know what they need? They need a furlough. They need a sabbatical. Right? I pastored, I promise you now, this is not a lie, I pastored for 34 years. Going into my 35th year of pastoring, this upcoming May, right, Don? Third March. This upcoming March will be my 35th year of being a lead pastor. And last year, maybe last year, maybe the year prior, was the first year I took a sabbatical. You know what it was? It was a four-week fake vacation. But I called it a sabbatical, you know? Um, I, I, tried, I tried to disconnect, Brother Preacher, for four weeks, you know? And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I didn't do too good. I didn't do too good, you know? But I'm not on foreign soil. I have my family right here. I can go to McDonald's. I don't, but I could. I can go to Wendy's. I don't, but I could, right? I can go to get pizza. I could, and I do, <laughs> you know, uh, right? I can go to Cinder Bar. Uh, what? <laughs> so, but they can. And so what they need is a furlough. You know what makes it hard for them? Look here. Uh, I was going to take a month sabbatical. My staff said to me, preacher, do it. In fact, they were going to pay for me to leave. Do you miss that? But there, sometimes they can't because they have nobody to leave the work to. And so they put six or eight years of their life into this work, and it's growing, and people are getting saved, you know, and now if they leave it, they may go back to nothing. They may come back and have nothing. 
And so some of them struggle to take that furlough. But they need rest. They need time to recover. They need to be refreshed. I was having a really bad day yesterday. My allergies were off the charts, crazy. My wife came in about 11 o'clock. I started sneezing at 7, didn't stop until like 8 o'clock last night. And, and I'm not telling you that to feel sorry for me, but she came in and she tried to give me a few more appointments and I looked at her like I wanted to bite her nose off <laughs> or sneeze all over her. And here's what I said to her. I promise you I said this to her. I said, I'm burned out. I need a break. I'm exhausted right now. You know, and I feel great today. But yesterday, I was ready to quit. You know, and my allergies had the best of me, man. I'm telling my eyes were popping out. But you need to know, look here, you need to know when you need a rest. You need to know, you need to give yourself some recovery time. And these missionaries need that. We need to pray they get some rest and recovery time. So uh, what, what do I pray for them? Sure, you can pray God bless them and, and God help them to win souls and God bless their work. Everybody prays that. That takes you three seconds. But if you really want to make an investment in their lives, maybe pray for their personal requests, their walk with God, their family relationships. And maybe that missionary would realize he needs time to rest and recover. And then, you, did, that, did, I, did I work that? Was that me? Wow. Ministry requests. They have ministry requests. Let's see if it works again. You ready? Wow. Understanding the language. When's the last time you pr prayed that for a missionary? That they'd understand the language. Think about this, if you would. Uh, communication is a key in life. In all real life communication, right? Well, when you, when you think about a missionary, especially a missionary on foreign soil, communication is the key. It's key to ministry. Right? I, I've been many times over in Latino countries, and I don't speak. I, I, I know enough Spanish to, to, to order dinner. But I, I can't even, I don't even know enough to get a full witness in. And many times I've been in environments where it was just me, you know? And, and I knew enough to get agua and baños. I can get water, and I can find out how to go to the bathroom. That's about it. You know? I can say, you know... Senor, senorita, buenos dias, buenas noches, buenas tardes, I, you know, como se llama, you know. But I, I couldn't get myself out of trouble. And I would think to myself, how in the world, you know, do these individuals come over here and make such a difference? They've got to learn that language. But then they have to understand it because I've been in some places where the missionary was saying something, and he thought he was using one word, but he was using another word. And that's not only embarrassing, but sometimes it's offensive. You know, you just cussed out the grandmother, and you thought you were saying you're beautiful, <laughs> you know, because you don't understand the language. You don't understand the concept of the language. And so when these missionaries go there, of course, many of them go to language school. But it's more than just language school, because in language school, they, they teach you, you know, the technique and, and you know, the grammar. And, but that dialogue is a lot different. Isn't that right? And, you know, Brother James Kim is sitting over here. He's from Liberia, and he's from, you know, a different tribe in Liberia. Well, that tribe speaks a different language than another tribe. Same country. Right, Brother James? You know? And so he can be talking in Liberian, but a person, his own countryman, is not understanding what he's saying. So he's got to have a good understanding. We don't pray that for our missionaries. 
I think this, I think we ought to pray they understand the culture. They understand the culture. You know, foreign cultures are vastly different than American. And there's, there's really no way to avoid a mess up. You know, you're, you're going to mess up. They're going to mess up. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Uh, however, we need to pray that they're able to adjust to that foreign culture and, 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 and not make the mistake of trying to get that culture to become American. Missionaries aren't sent from America to Mexico or, or Central America or Middle East or Africa to make that uh, country or that community or that town or that tribe. We're not sent there to Americanize them. No, not at all. We're sent, we're sent there to Christianize them, not Americanize them. I'll never forget my first trip to the mission field, Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. And the missionary said to me this. He said, now, brother, he said, I know back home we do things this time, that time, and, but not here. We are on their time. And I said, brother, I'm, I'm just here to go with the flow. And I'm glad I said that because I'm not a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. We're supposed to start at 7. We start at 7. But there, you know, if they say they start at 7, they tell the people we start at 5. And they're still not there by 7. But once they get there, they don't want to leave. You know, you get here at 7, you're expecting to get out of here at 8 o'clock. Well, they get here at 7, and I finished at 8. They, right, James? James says to me all the time, when are you going to start preaching? I just preach for 45 minutes. But for where he comes from, an hour and 45 minutes isn't enough. So cultures are different. The way they do things and greet people. Uh, I've been to places where I promise you. You know, I go in, and I knew this. I knew they were going to they were going to make me sit down and eat something. And I would say, oh, God, please, would you put blinders on my eyes? Because what they were going to give me to eat, just thinking of it makes me want to vomit. You know, they bring the cup over, and before they bring the cup, they're blowing the roaches out of it. <laughs> or the big palmetto bugs, or... Hello? But if you don't eat, you don't have a chance to minister because you've offended them. Can understand their culture. These missionaries need to understand that culture. You pray, pray for them. And then, and then I think this, we need to pray they have unmistakable fruit. Unmistakable fruit. Say, so what's that, preacher? That's fruit that only God can give. That's not something you and I can produce. Anybody can gather a crowd, but only God can save a soul. Anybody can gather a crowd, but only God can build a church. Unmistakable fruit fruit. And here's, here's the ticket. Here's the thing with unmistakable fruit. It takes time. It takes time. You can't, you look, you, look at, you go to Mexico and probably within a year you can have a church running 100. Try that in Jordan. Try that in the Middle East. I know a couple of missionaries there, one very, very good young man right from this area. I won't mention his name. Great young man. And he's got a great ministry over in the Middle East. But you know what he's got to do in order to win somebody? First of all, he can't go as a preacher. But what he's got to do is he's got to befriend that individual. He, he's got to bring over to that individual's house, you know, we'll just say, dessert and sit down. And it might take him months before he even gets a chance to say, so what do you believe? Do you have a Bible? What do you read from? 
months. Here in America, we knock on doors, we talk about Jesus. They may not know him, but they've heard of him. Yeah. I knock on the door. I'm not, yet last night you guys were out, national night out. You, you, you weren't fearing you were going to get arrested for handing that gospel track. Bob, did you, did you even one time think that you were going to get in trouble for doing that? Not one time. But you know what? Where this brother's at, you can't do that. He'd be in jail as, huh? One young man was over in Jordan, witnessing, was arrested. He's a national, was arrested, put in jail. I think he was 20, 21 or 22 years old. Because he was a Christian, his family had abandoned him and rejected him. The only way you get food and what you need in prison over there is if your family brings it to you. So guess what he had to eat for, for 18 months? Onions and water. And that's what he survived on for 18 months, Tom, onions and water, simply because he was trying to lead his own countrymen to the Lord. Think about that. Man alive. We have nothing like that here. Right? Unmistakable fruit takes time. We need to pray that our missionaries remain patient, that they don't quit, they don't give in, because they don't see that, you know, overnight success kind of a thing. And so, ministry requests. And then let me give you one final thought. Uh, provisional requests. Provisional requests. Uh, top of the list, of course, safety and protection. Right? You're aware of this, I'm sure you are, that our missionaries do, do a whole lot of traveling. They are traveling, think about this now, back and forth from country to country. If they're, they're foreign missionaries. And even if they're stateside, they're still doing some traveling. Like these folks that are coming in here, you know, got some young kids, they're on deputation, they're going from church to church, trying to raise support. And can I share this with you? Not every church is like Open Bible. Our missionaries are going to come here, we're going, we're going to take care of them, man. Right? We're going to treat them like they are royalty. You know, they're going to eat good, they're going to live good, and when they leave here, they're going to have a, 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 a tremendous love offering, and they're going to get support. Brother Preacher, you know this. Preacher, you know this. There are some missionaries that drive a long way to get to where they've been invited to come, and they don't even get enough money out of the love offering, Colin, to pay for the fuel it costs to get them there. Isn't that sad? And then they get, well, we, we, we'll pray about supporting you. And if we do support you, we support our missionaries at $20 a month. I don't even think you buy a gallon of gas in some countries for 20 bucks a month. That's what they're facing. That's what they're facing. You know, I'm not sure if you've ever, ever been there, but I've been there. And sometimes when you're in the village or town where they're ministering, the roads are unbelievable. I've been to uh, a part of the Dominican Republic called Costanza. Costanza is, is 5,000 feet up in the mountains. And the road to get up there, I promise you, the road is not as wide, two-lane road, not as wide as this set of pews. And you're on a mountainside. And as you're on your way up, first time I went, Ron, the first time I went, as I'm on my way up, I see all these burned vehicles along the side of the road. And I remember saying to the missionary, what's with that? They just burn their vehicles. He says, no, their vehicles coming down the mountain, their brakes caught fire because you've got to stay on your brake pedal all the way down. 
And if you don't have buckets of water with you and periodically get out and throw water on your brakes, they catch fire and burn your car down, burn, burn your car up. I said, you have got to be kidding me. My next question was, do we have water with us? <laughs> if not, let me out now. I'm walking back down, man. You know, I'm not kidding you. And I remember this, coming back down, we had to stop periodically and, and throw water on our dangerous roads. Huh? And you think we have these little side of the road memorials, you know, over there? They're everywhere, everywhere. And they're very superstitious over there. And so when, you, when we pray for safety, we're not talking about, hey, Lord, when, you know, the uh, Smith family heads out from, you know, uh, Indiana and, and they're trying to get over there to China, give them, give, them, give them, no, man, it's when they get there, the roads, they, the towns they live in, the people they minister to, they need protection and safety. Not only that, there's the financial needs. You know, many of our missionaries are undersupported. They're on the field. Uh, by, by the way, when they're on the field, many times on the field, they lose support. They get a letter from a supporting church. Sorry, but bottom fell out. You know, a couple of our families lost jobs and economy's bad here. We can no longer afford. afford. Well, what do they do? They don't just run home and get another church preacher, right? They just can't call back to the home base and say, hey, hey, brother preacher, uh, we just lost $500 a month. Can you, can you make up for that? No, they can't leave the field and come back. So you know what they do? They just plug away and keep working undersupported. And many of those same missionaries are using their personal support to fund their ministry expenses. So the gospel tracts and the Bibles and everything else they're trying to use to build that comes out of their own personal support. Why? Because they're just trying to get there. Many of them, you know, mission boards won't let them leave unless they have a certain level of support raised because they know these guys will go with nothing. You know, I'm just going to trust God until you get there. Because when you get there, you can't work a job. I couldn't go to Liberia and get a job at McDonald's. Why? Because I'd be taking a job out of one of the Liberians. No, I got to be fully supported when I get there. So we need to pray for that financial support. And then, and then, and then think about this, that they'd not be forgotten. Did you ever feel forgotten? Huh? I mean, did you ever, did you ever feel alone and you're in a room filled with people hello you know loneliness that feeling of loneliness isn't just because there's nobody around but in their case think about this now they're on foreign soil and sometimes they feel as if they're forgotten they're not getting letters from back home no, they're not, they're not getting, you know, we're sitting in this room here and you might walk out the door and, you know, on the way out, hey, brother Dave, man, thought about you, pray for you this week, God bless you, my friend, had everything turn out with that, they're not getting that there. Most of the time, they're dealing with people that have enormous problems. Well, what about them? We need to pray that they're not forgotten, right? And that other people will pray for them. Uh, we need to get to know our missionaries. And, that, and that's why we try to invite them when they're on furlough. Right? Because we want you to be able to see, you know, their face and meet them and see how genuine they are. So that way, they, when they leave and they go back to the mission field, man, you pray for them. Now you know them. You have, you're invested in their lives. Then, of course, we read their missionary Prayer letters every week. If you came in early, you've seen we were flashing pictures of our missionaries up on the screen. That's routine. Every Wednesday night we read a prayer letter, one of our missionaries, because we want you to know them, know what their needs are. 
And then, and then when you understand their needs, every once in a while we try to help them. We just reignited, and our sister's not here tonight, but we just reignited the Tabitha ministry. Tabitha ministry went on here for years and years and then got sidetracked because of COVID. You know what that, that ministry is? It's just a bunch of faithful ladies. And they come together once a week, once a month, once a month. And they get, they get some prayer letters and they'll pray for our missionaries, but they're specific. And what they do is they look at these letters and they try to take the needs off the, 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 the prayer letters. They pray for the needs and they pray, God, if there's a need that we could meet, here's a church to lay it on our heart. Just, just last week, we just started, right, Sister Shield? We just started the ministry back up. And just last week, uh, one of our ladies came to me and said, Preacher, we have one of our missionaries who we know, and he's, he's been praying for a long period of time for an iPad. And God just laid it upon our hearts. This is the Tabitha ministry speaking to me. God's laid it on our hearts. That preacher, we love to meet that need. And she was going on and on and on. I said, Sister, need met. We'll take care of it. Two days later, we shipped an iPad to our brother. What's an iPad cost? 400 bucks, Colin, 500 bucks? If that's going to help our brother where he's at, advance his ministry so he can advance the kingdom of God, and four or 500 bucks later, I mean, for me, that's a month at Wawa. (laughs) Not really. My wife, don't tell my wife that. (laughs) But isn't it amazing how we'll just, for our own, but when it comes to, we get, did you follow me there? Yeah. One day we're going to find out we're here on purpose. He could have taken us home real easy. Saved, go home, saved, go home. But he left us here on purpose. For what? Because there's a lot of other people that need to hear the gospel, and get what we have. And the only way it's going to get done is if we do it. So we need to pray. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.